Today, we shall continue where we left off yesterday in our Dhamma talk, namely on the Ten Imperfections, and we'll deal well with some general aspects, how to well overcome those quickly and how to then move on in one's meditation practice. Now, you have heard about the seven purifications as mentioned in the Visuddhimagga as based on the Ratavinita Sutta from the Majjhima Nikaya. And those seven purifications are that of virtue, purification of virtue, sila visuddhi, and basically it's about taking and carefully, meticulously observing the precepts. And then we have citta visuddhi, namely purification of the mind, and this is accomplished when a meditator has overcome or overcomes the five hindrances, and this then will be followed by Deity Visuddhi, namely purification of you, and this corresponds to the first insight knowledge, the knowledge which clearly discerns physicality from mentality or materiality from mentality. And then the next, the fourth purification is that of purification by overcoming doubt, kankavitarana nirisuddhi. And this particular purification has to do with seeing causal relations and it corresponds to the second insight knowledge. And then comes the purification by knowledge and vision of what is the path, the correct path, and what is the not path, maga maga jnana dasna visuddhi, which then has to do with the tender face of uh, the fourth uh, insight uh, knowledge. And uh, so up to uh, this point, uh, uh, we are somewhat familiar with the terrain, and uh, now more is uh, to uh, come and uh, is to be explored. And starting with the mature uh, face of uh, the fourth insight knowledge, uh, we have uh, the purification by knowledge and vision of uh, the way patipada jnana dasna nirisuddhi in the Pali scriptural language, which uh, you know, then uh, covers a number of insights all the way up uh, to uh, the knowledge of uh, conformity. And it is at this point where now, the insight knowledges are more precise than the purification because you know, the sixth purification covers a large, a large area. 
And the last one is the purification by knowledge and vision, jnana dasna visuddhi, which is basically about uh, the attainment of the four paths. Now, when a meditator, when a meditator experiences uh, these or some of uh, the imperfections of uh, the insight, then naturally it uh, is easy to uh, get uh, hooked uh, to uh, mental states or experiences uh, such as uh, well, some joy and uh, such as tranquility, peacefulness, serenity, calmness, and then furthermore, happiness, contentment, ease, comfort, and the like. And in, or when these mental states come up, then easily a meditator might forget the instructions given during the interview and might say, well, what the heck, more important than those instructions is actually, well, indulging in these experiences and having having a fun time. And um, this, uh, however, is or, or can be detrimental to one's own meditation practice, and it will lead at least to a stagnation in one's meditation. And in a well bad case, it could even lead to an outright downfall or no stive in one's meditation. And so if this happens, then one might end up experiencing again some of those unpleasant pains and aches and difficult mental states. And so when these imperfections come up, then one is well advised to be mindful of them and to treat them as one would treat any other predominant object, despite of the fact that they are so so pleasant. And, well, if one does so, then gradually one's practice will progress further and one will then be on the correct path. However, if for one reason or another one gets attached or develops a certain craving for these imperfections, then one is clearly on the wrong path or track. And at first, it seems as if all these wonderful experiences 
uh, are or represent uh, the correct uh, path towards uh, Nibbana. However, uh, later on, after a while, uh, one uh, realizes uh, that it is uh, not uh, the case. And uh, what uh, happens if one does indulge in those uh, mental states, uh, then uh, they'll just keep occurring again and again and again. And uh, 10 days or 20 days of happiness uh, then is uh, not a happy experience anymore. And the same thing goes uh, for the other uh, imperfections. So any of it uh, in in excess uh, is uh, not uh, not that pleasant. Now, if certain, if one experiences certain difficulties, you know, then uh, there are ways of uh, ways uh, to deal with them, and difficulties uh, might arise in the form of, well, plenty of reflections on the dhammas or dhamma reflections, and one might be pondering over and over again a certain topic that has been mentioned, or one might find that, or one's mindfulness might not be that certain continuous, or one might still be moving around quite quite quickly, or sometimes what happens is the senses are still not that restrained. So in these and similar cases, it is advisable to check one's own situation, one's own practice. And what are the strong points of one's practice? What are the weak points and or the short shortcomings? And if one sees that one's mindfulness isn't all that continuous, maybe it is continuous during the sitting, but not so during the general activities, maybe during the meals, or at other times during the day, let's say when one is doing one's laundry, then one should do something about it. And then make a concerted effort from now onwards to be more continuously mindful. And if one finds that one gets caught up time and again in, well, thinking, thinking or dhamma reflections, then it's high time to be aware of this and to label those reflections and to realize that these are still conditioned phenomena and they are not yet the ultimate truth. And then simply to let go of them and patiently to continue with one's work of observing whatever comes up. And so, then if uh, one finds that uh, you know, there's still certain 
activities that one is doing you know, too you know, quickly, rushing around, speeding around, or so, yeah, then you know, one should notice this and so, you know, then make the necessary uh, adjustments. Now, for this particular phase in one's certain meditation practice or other you know, phases, uh, you know, other times when you know, maybe some you know, difficulties arise, the following, uh, the following qualities are helpful you know, to remember and also you know, to practice. And you know, those are, number one, you know, to have you know, self-confidence, and the next uh, quality is uh, that of uh, courage, and uh, then of determination, and uh, then patience, and uh, then an understanding of uh, the nature of the practice, and uh, then of uh, self-reliance. Now, as for the self-confidence, there are at times meditators who don't have too much confidence in themselves, and in particular with regard to the meditation practice, and this is not helpful. One should build one's self-confidence as much as possible. And ways of doing this are the following, namely by reflecting that if I try hard enough again and again, then I'll surely gain the Dhamma. And another way of seeing this, if I try long enough, then the Dhamma will be mine. So in the end, it's just a matter of persistence, and so sooner or later, the Dhamma will be gained. And then, sometimes meditators are not too confident about their meditation practice, or they're not really convinced of its value, and so they think the practice is not all that precious. Not so. One should consider the path that one is walking on as a noble path, and the practice that one is doing, one should consider as a noble practice. And this practice of Satipatthana, noble practice of Satipatthana, it was undertaken by the Buddha himself and by his senior disciples as well as many others over many centuries. And many people have gained the Dhamma and why not me? So if others can do it, I should also be able to do it. And so... So why be doubtful about one's meditation practice? And there are many, many different ways we can spend our lives and focus on. Some people make it 
these well some people make juggling you know, the main you know, topic of their life and so, you know, others you know, think it's important to collect butterflies and so, you know, yet others might so, uh, be mostly interested in collecting stamps, uh, or you know, yet others uh, you know, collect cars and you know, whatnot. And, and so, our you know, meditation practice is uh, a form of meditation you know, that you know, leads uh, to uh, our betterment, and that uh, is definitely uh, a contribution, very positive contribution to you know, society. And so it encourages wholesome mental states and uh, not the arising of unwholesome mental states. Now, furthermore, the the object of our faith itself is a good object is a praiseworthy object. And the object of our faith here is the meditation of Satipatthana. And so this is a meditation that, in the words of the Buddha, can lead to the purification of beings, to the overcoming of sorrow and lamentation, and eventually to the attainment of Nibbāna. And so, since one is engaged in you know, an activity that is uh, uh, highly you know, noble, then uh, one, you know, then why you know, be doubtful, and so, you know, why not so, you know, have confidence in what one is so, you know, doing? Now, another you know, way of building you know, self-confidence is or go somewhat along well, the following proverb, and it's actually a German proverb, but you might have the same thing in the English language. Namely, ein steter Tropfen hüllt den Stein, which means a steady flow of drops of water will carve a hole into, even into a rock. So, likewise, a steady flow of moments of mindfulness, one after the other, will carve a big hole into the mental defilements and weaken those defilements. And so, as the defilements then go, with this ignorance is included, and certainly ignorance will be weakened, and as a result of this knowledge will have a chance to uh, arise. And the next quality that we need to possess in our meditation practice is that of courage and even if at the outset of our meditation we are not really brave or courageous people, then over time this may change and gradually we do become more and more brave. And now the way this works is that at first 
we you know, may uh, not uh, have the guts you know, to you know, face you know, some you know, uh, strong pain or some difficult uh, mental state. But once we've uh, managed to overcome it uh, through mindfulness, uh, then we gain uh, some you know, we gain some courage with uh, you know, this uh, experience. And so basically, we gain courage, enough courage to then face the next difficulty that is, well, then coming up sooner or later. And in the end, there is no ordinary uh, experience, even the even the most uh, difficult experience, uh, that uh, cannot be uh, overcome. If we just uh, keep at it uh, patiently and uh, with persistent uh, mindfulness, uh, then uh, short or sooner or later, uh, those difficult states will uh, pass away. Now, furthermore. When at times our meditation practice stalls a bit, then it is helpful to then strengthen our determination. And this happens quite naturally when faith arises in our practice, determined faith, as explained yesterday, then um, we gain more faith in the Buddha, Dhamma, and Sangha, in the practice itself, and in ourselves. And once this faith is there, then quite naturally it will lead to a stronger determination, such as whatever it may take to gain the Dhamma, this I will do. Or, uh, in an extreme case, you know, we could, uh, uh, well, at least partly, uh, emulate some, uh, a statement and a way of practice, determination uh, of Venerable Mudita Tera. And so, um, he has, uh, a saying of his has been uh, recorded in the uh, Tera Gata, namely, uh, as follows, I will not give up, I will not get up from this seat even if my bones break and the joints fall apart. Let this body break up if it must, let lumps of flesh lay scattered, let the pair of shins fall apart from my knee joints. So, now of course, we do not uh, encourage uh, excessive uh, practice. So uh, please, I do not, uh, I'm not saying that uh, you need to go to uh, this extent. And uh, sure, sure enough, I want you to leave the retreat with all limbs well intact. <laughs> <laughs> and blood uh, still uh, uh, nicely permeating uh, uh, the body. However, if we can have maybe uh, just at least uh, uh, 25% 
of the determination of venerable Mudita Terra, you know, then that's already you know, quite uh, good. And so, you know, what we can do as a meditator is when you know, a difficult situation arises, well, then we play with it. And we try to extend our uh, our limit just a little bit more, every time a little bit more. And if we keep doing so you know, over a longer period of time, several times, you know, then you know, gradually our endurance, our ability to you know, deal you know, with you know, pains and you know, difficult mental states you know, will improve more and more. Now, determination is an important uh, point and, uh, you know, during this phase in the meditation, but also you know, during a later phase, namely one of the higher insight knowledges. And when one has overcome a number of, uh, you know, or, or gone through a number of difficult mental mental states and difficult uh, insight knowledges known as the dukkhanyanas, so the insight knowledges of you know, suffering. Then, um, finally, you know, one gets to a point where you know, things are clearing up a little bit, and you know, the practice improves. There are less pains around, and less certain you know, difficult mental states around, and. So, it is at that point uh, that meditators usually you know, then you know, make a firm determination, as mentioned earlier, on whatever there is to be done you know, to you know, gain you know, liberation from you know, this samsaric existence. This I will do. And so, um, this then is helpful to you know, get further in one's meditation practice. However, the Dhamma will not unfold or not be realized right away. Now, patience is another quality that we as Vipassana meditators need at all times. And patience, so it is said, is a quality that is certainly very much needed in performing wholesome or meritorious deeds. So when we perform an act of generosity like dana, then we can give only if we have something to give. And in order to give something uh, away, we might need to uh, make certain uh, sacrifices, and uh, this uh, then requires patience. And so again, in the context of uh, observing nasila, patience uh, will be uh, required. So uh, let's say, you know, let's say you're keeping, you know, and not just let's say you're keeping the uh, eight certain uh, precepts, and uh, then you know, sometimes uh, in you know, the later you know, afternoon, you, know, you feel uh, somewhat uh, hungry, and uh, it is uh, with patience and endurance you know, that you uh, then uh, bear you know, with uh, you know, this hunger and. Uh, 
you don't uh, um, well break the precepts by uh, uh, well <laughs> or accessing your stash of candy bars and <laughs> whatnot. Some people, I'm not saying that you're doing this, but. Yeah, some people, when they come on a retreat, they bring all sorts of you know, food items along, and uh, you know, sometimes a temptation may be there you know, to you know, then, uh, uh, well, alleviate one's uh, hunger. So, um, in you know, observing you know, the precepts, one you know, requires or one needs certain you know, patience. Um, Another aspect here with regard to you know, sila, you might uh, uh, love to you know, you know, sing and you know, sing you know, all sorts of you know, songs, yet you know, while you're uh, on a retreat, you know, you're patient you know, with this uh, uh, hobby of yours and you know, knowing very well that you're in a meditation center and singing is out of place, and so you, know, you refrain you know, from it. And so, uh, you might you know, be used to, you know, to well, uh, applying or using plenty of cosmetics or you know, cosmetics and certain perf- perf- perfumes, and yet on a meditation retreat, owing to you know, these precepts, in particular the you know, seventh one, so you refrain from it and you do so you know, with an, a mind of uh, patience. And so then patience is in particular you know, required in the context of uh, you know, bhavana, namely mental development. And so, in particular, in the Vipassana meditation practice, well, as you know, plenty of pains and aches certainly uh, may uh, arise. And so, what one uh, needs in uh, in their uh, regard is uh, patience. Namely, even though a temptation or an impulse to shift one's posture that might arise, yet one forgoes this and one doesn't shift. And even though at times some strong itch might arise somewhere on the skin, and yet with patience one endures it and one doesn't act on it. And therefore, it is, uh, or since patience is so uh, important in the context of uh, meditation, you know, there is uh, a common, uh, a common uh, saying in Burma: you know, "Patience leads to nibbana." Uh, in the Burmese uh, language, for those who understand, and so, then. Finally, or not finally, the next certain quality that we might need to overcome some difficulties is that of understanding the nature of the meditation practice, some major features. 
Now, the Vipassana meditation is obviously not always, um, well, a smooth affair. It's not always, uh, uh, well, a, a flower bed of uh, roses. And um, there are ups and downs in one's meditation practice. And uh, although overall the practice will be progressing. So knowing that there are these ups and downs, just like with the shares on the stock market, so too in the meditation, in one's own meditation practice. And when there is, for when one is occasionally experiencing a down period, then it's helpful to remind oneself that this is not going to last forever and sooner or later the next upswing will come and then things will look quite different again. And likewise, when one's meditation is unfolding quite nicely for a while, and one feels one is doing good practice, then it's wise to assume that this is going to last forever or not forever. Well, not forever. And since all conditions are impermanent. And meditation practice should be considered and, and like an art, and so in order you know, to become skilled in a particular art, you know, we need to uh, practice. And so we need to face and overcome certain you know, difficulties. So when you think of the career of a violin virtuoso, you know, then this violin virtuoso you know, will not... You know, uh, become or, or be a virtuoso uh, right away. There are very few you know, who are born you know, not like you know, this. For most people, it takes a lot of uh, hard work. Likewise, uh, in you know, meditation. And then it's also helpful you know, to you know, remember that in the face of some you know, difficulty in one's meditation practice, we have all the qualities within us to overcome these certain difficulties. And so it's just a matter of you know, finding you know, the right attitude, developing you know, the right mental you know, faculty, and then our practice will move on. And then there's yet another very short or short saying, this time in the English language, which consists of only four words. And this is really helpful. Namely, no pain, no gain. And <laughs> once, once you remember this, 
this particular saying, then you're well equipped to face the next difficulty that might be around the corner. Now, since the results to be gained from this certain meditation practice are extremely precious. And actually the Buddha has said you know, that his Dhamma is beyond, it is priceless. There's, there is simply no price for it. You cannot fix a, a price uh, uh, for, for the Dhamma. And so, so since the Dhamma is so precious beyond a price, well, we need to work hard to gain it. So usually in the world, if something is not so precious, then it will be cheap. So if you think of some imitation rubies or so, well, you can buy them for just $5. So it doesn't take much to purchase them. But for anything uh, that is uh, uh, genuine, authentic, uh, rare, uh, and highly beneficial, one needs to put in uh, a lot of uh, well, uh, hard uh, work. So too in one's uh, meditation practice. Now, the Venerable Sadhu Pandita likes to point out to the meditators an awkward situation that one might find oneself in if one is not careful. Namely, going on a retreat, one gives up, at least temporarily, what? Huh? what do you, to come here, what do you give up? Hmm? Time. Time. Yes, and then on top of this? Personal priorities. Oh, yes, so the, the personal priorities. And uh, anything else apart from this? The household life. Uh, yes, you give up your pleasures, your luxuries and comforts uh, that your your worldly pleasures that you're used to okay so uh, this is one thing so you're giving up your worldly pleasures in the hope of gaining something else namely the dhamma dhamma pleasure and uh, if one doesn't practice seriously and uh, no, in, a, in a diligent manner, and so one's practice is kind of stagnating, then one is caught in a limbo, namely losing out uh, in two ways. One has given up, <laughs> one has given up one's worldly pleasures, one hasn't gained you know, one's spiritual freedom, or you know, you know, you know, spiritual pleasures, and one is kind of like sitting between two chairs, trying to sit between two chairs when there's no chair in between. And so so this is obviously an awkward situation. And thus to 
you know, prevent this kind of you know, situation from happening, it's always good you know, to apply oneself you know, oneself's wholeheartedly to you know, the practice and uh, simply give uh, you know, one's best, however, not in an excessive manner, but in a balanced uh, uh, manner. Now, furthermore, when occasionally we face certain difficulties in our meditation practice, then you know, we could uh, uh, adopt maybe Nietzsche's uh, uh, slogan or motto, what's, uh, uh, what was it, whatever, you know, or as long as it doesn't kill me, it will make me stronger. And so, um, applied here is um, when when a difficulty arises in our meditation practice, uh, then <clears throat> we should see it as a challenge and then try to live up to this challenge and then find ways and means to overcome it. And as a result of this, we then gain. We gain in terms of inner strength. Now, a further and maybe last quality that uh, is uh, useful uh, to uh, have is uh, that of uh, self-reliance. And uh, many people uh, tend to rely a lot on others. So children rely on parents and uh, students rely on their teachers and uh, or, or a student uh, might uh, rely on what is said or the answers given provided in a book and in the meditation practice, a meditator may rely on what a meditation teacher says, what he or she might reveal. And um, yeah, so it's best in, along with the you know, words of the Buddha you know, to develop uh, self-reliance. And the mind is uh, of an, a unique you know, tool that you know, for many people you know, is not well developed and thus it's unreliable. But if we you know, pay attention to its uh, development and we train it in different uh, ways, then it can become a highly you know, reliable you know, tool. And so in the words of you know, the Buddha, you know, we should you know, try to you know, develop this uh, you know, self-reliance as much as possible. Dhammapada, verse 276, speaks to this Dumihi Kicha Matapam Akata Rotatagata 
patipanna pamokhanti jayino marabandana. You yourself should make the effort. The Tathagatas, namely the Buddhas, can only show the way. Those who practice tranquility and insight meditation are freed from the bond of Mara. So having overcome the various difficulties in one's practice, in particular concerning the imperfections of insight, one's meditation will then progress further. And what comes next is a new purification, namely the sixth one, the purification by knowledge and vision of the way. And this certain particular purification then connects with the with an earlier purification, uh, namely number uh, number four, and where a meditator uh, understood or saw the impermanence of formations, the unsatisfactoriness of formations, and then the absence of a self with regard to formations. And owing to the arising of the imperfections, those three universal characteristics kind of were moved into the background. And so they're not that obvious for a while. And so the characteristic of impermanence gets concealed through continuity and the characteristic of pain or of oppression through rise and fall gets concealed by a change of postures and the characteristic of not-self gets concealed by compactness. And with further meditation practice, all of this changes. And a meditator realizes that what previously seemed so continuous now is not that continuous. And a meditator will furthermore realize that what seemed so pleasurable, like the joy, the tranquility, the happiness, the faith, the strong effort, the strong mindfulness and the equanimity, that these are all conducive to pleasure, yet they are not. Yet, in fact, reality is different. And then as one keeps observing objects, one sees how they resolve into, well, into the elements. And with this, then the characteristic of not-self becomes obvious again. And with this then, a meditator will directly 
understands the universal characteristics or understands anew the three universal characteristics. And the Buddha has spoken about them in the following ways, namely Dhammapada, Dhammapada verses number 277 up to 279. Formations are all impermanent. When one sees thus with understanding and turns away from what is ill, that is the path to purity. And and when it says one turns away from what is ill, this refers to the suffering of or the unsatisfactoriness of the khandas, the five aggregates. So all the many formations that we have to deal with all the time. Then Dhammapada verse 278 says, formations are all unsatisfactory. When one sees thus with understanding and turns away from what is unsatisfactory, namely the five aggregates, that is the path to purity. And then the last verse is, things are all not self. Or instead of saying things, we can say it more correctly, dhammas are all not self. When one sees thus with understanding and turns away from what is unsatisfactory, namely the five aggregates, that is the path to purity. And the Visuddhimagga then in its explanation or description of what happens next in the meditation practice asks an initial question, an opening question. Namely, but why then does a meditator again pursue the knowledge of arise and fall? Since the tender face of the fourth insight knowledge has the same name or does somewhat the same thing. And the answer given to this is to observe the three characteristics. And the knowledge of the rise and fall already dealt with being disabled by the ten imperfections was not capable of observing the three characteristics in their true nature. But once freed from the imperfections, it is then the knowledge, the insight knowledge is able to do so. Therefore, one should pursue it again here in order to observe the characteristics. So, this is the explanation given in the Visuddhimagga in its 21st chapter, the second paragraph. So, while the imperfections are going on, the three universal characteristics are somewhat covered up or concealed, and we need to move on and again 
take a closer look at uh, those uh, you know, three universal characteristics. Now, how all of this uh, then happens will you know, be explained uh, not, uh, not today and not tomorrow, but uh, rather uh, on Monday in order to you know, give uh, our meditators here a chance to find out uh, by themselves. <laughs> a whole um, direct knowledge, self-gained knowledge is always better than uh, any kind of knowledge that is presented on a plate. And so, so let me conclude today's demo talk by wishing may all of you continue, well, may all of you overcome whatever difficulties might remain in the, or with regard to those imperfections of insight and then equipped with qualities such as patience and self-reliance and self-confidence and courage and determination and so on, may you then, well, eagerly move ahead and then explore, investigate and discover for yourselves what will happen next in your meditation practice and may this then be a stepping stone for the final attainment of the peace of Nibbana in this very life. And this is it for today. It's only a few minutes past eight o'clock. If you have any questions, then please let's hear. Yes. Could you repeat what are these three types of knowledge? All the insight knowledges. Um, well, there's 16 of those, and, uh, uh, and uh, you've already experienced some of them. And so uh, some remain to be experienced. <laughs> eh? Just, just more. And uh, so, mm, some of the the first ones are, you know, like uh, discerning you know, minds uh, from matter or you know, materiality from mentality, and then you know, cause and effect would be another one. And then you know, seeing you know, seeing Anicca, Dukkha, and Anatta for the first one would be uh, another one. And then there's uh, you know, there are others. And so right now it's not so, you know, well not the time and not appropriate to you know, mention the others uh, you know, since that would uh, well influence your you know, your experiences. No, so wait and. Uh, 
uh, awaits uh, there's some more and some you just keep doing the practice and uh, you know, then gradually you know those uh, you know, remaining inside knowledges uh, become quite uh, you know, obvious on their own no where are they listed oh where are they listed <laughs> <laughs> They're listed in some books. <laughs> and I can give you the references for this at the end of the retreat. <laughs> yes? Until what? Until we see you again. Oh, yeah, yes. We respond to, you know, how well we've done with those instructions and moving forward. Is 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 too much reading, too much thinking ahead about this, just another form, almost a plastic formation itself? If we can't, you know, it's like if we can't make a life for ourselves in this real world, yeah. this relative world, yeah. uh, Yeah, yeah, good question. Now, the answer to this is as follows. Now, in general, it's best not to have uh, you know, you know, too much prior you know, knowledge. No? And so simply to, um, well, uh, practice without, uh, you know, without many concepts, just to do you know, you know, the practice, and then you know, things will you know, get clear by you know, themselves. Having said this, uh, there are some people who very much rely on theoretical knowledge, and so they love to read up on uh, on these insight knowledges even before the retreat, and you know, as part of their pre-retreat preparation, and then kind of then they're doing the practice in. um, well, you know, with in in the light of uh, what has been you know, read uh, about uh, earlier on, but this will influence certain uh, one's uh, meditation experiences. So basically, we have you know, two types of at least two types of meditators: those who don't want to hear anything whatsoever about the insight knowledge, just don't want to read uh, you know, on those at all. And then you know, we have those you know, who you know, just you know, the opposite, you know, very much you know, want to find out in advance. And, uh, and so, uh, so um, like I said, for the you know, first group it's better not to read, and for the second you know, kind of or group, uh, well, a little bit of you know, reading. Uh, might uh, might help, but you know, one should always make it a point you know, to you know, not go by one's concepts or ideas about the practice, but rather you know, by what is really happening in one's meditation. And when one travels uh, this path of uh, insight for 
you know, the first time. There are many places where uh, one uh, might suddenly uh, get confused. Oftentimes what uh, happens, a meditator who's pre-read uh, on insight knowledges you know, then has a certain experiences and so, you know, then does self-evaluation and says and then you know, may think okay my practice is uh, at such and such a level and this may be utterly wrong um, because you know, one is lacking one is lacking the you know, the general understanding of how the practice unfolds and there are plenty of places where you know, certain similarities arise and so, you know, this may you know, be quite confusing. No. So it's a wise idea not to you know, come to any you know, early conclusion about uh, you know, what's, uh, you know, or which insight knowledge one is currently experiencing. Uh, no. And as a, as a meditation teacher, one uh, has to be you know, very careful you know, when, you know, when a meditator comes and obviously has some uh, uh, well pre you know, or, or some uh, prior uh, knowledge or theoretical knowledge you know, not to easily believe or go along uh, with the assumption you know, that you know, the meditator you know, might be implying and not but rather you know, to verify you know, various aspects. Okay, you know, what's the rising falling like? What's, you know, what is the sitting posture like? What are the mental, mental states like? What has been experienced beforehand? And so on and so forth. So one needs to see the whole picture uh, in uh, evaluating you know, one's practice. Does this answer your question? What, 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 what kind of practice? Serious time in practice, say, say three, six months uh, in oh, practice. Yeah. And then we need to kind of like integrate that into one's life. And uh, I, I, I have found that during this period of integration, first of all, one is not consciously doing that. Uh, certainly I'm not consciously doing it to the extent that I always say that I'm going to do it. But second, I tend to fall back on theoretical knowledge. And I, I tend to, to want to do the reading instead of doing the practice. I mean, what I, I know the experience of becoming a monk and, and eventually getting to the point of, say, being a side of a doer, uh, that's, not, that's not the general mode in, in, in the East. Is that correct? Uh, I mean, don't you just generally go in and, and, and stabilize in, in whatever level you're at as you go along without kind of like going back into uh, the relative world no, 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 no. Even in in Burma, you know, there are plenty of uh, you know, plenty of meditators who you know, go in and out of a retreat, and uh, so there'll be periods of uh, you know, maybe you know, study periods in between. And uh, no, and so if one does certainly some reading uh, you know, during off uh, retreat time, uh, or when one is off uh, retreat, you know, there's nothing wrong with this. Uh, no, to gain you know, gain a better you know, theoretical understanding, you no, know, but uh, but then always to keep an open mind, like I said, you know, when one actually does the practice, and uh, no. 
And so, uh, like with the Burmese uh, monastics, uh, frequently they you know, do their you know, their studies and so, you know, uh, gain uh, pass all their all, all the necessary examinations, become dhammacharyas, and so, you know, with this have an, a theoretical understanding of the insight knowledges, uh, yet have may have not practiced yet, no. And so then eventually you know, a person like this you know, decides to you know, go for an actual meditation retreat and then comes the practical experience. And so then, uh, then you know, the, uh, the practical experiences or the theoretical knowledge will be complemented you know, by uh, what uh, actually happens in the meditation. And this is by far you know, more gratifying. Uh, no. And so the Venerable Sadhu Upandita you know, frequently says that, you know, and he would be you know, a very good certain case in point, um, namely of a monk who first you know, did his uh, theoretical studies, had some understanding of, uh, of the scriptures or, or the texts, and then only uh, well, ventured to, to do an intensive retreat at the Mahasi Center. And Sadhu Panita says that his meditation practice helped him a lot to gain a much more profound understanding of the scriptures. And so, this much for your question. Now, Venerable Kunishi, you you've wanted to ask a question. Oh, oh, this is just a term I'm using. You know, it covers you know, the unwholesome mental states, so, such as, uh, well, you know, the ignorance and uh, you know, then uh, restlessness and then you know, shame, you know, shamelessness and uh, moral shamelessness and then fearlessness of wrongdoing. You know? And then furthermore, you know, the, you know, the five hindrances. So... Um, sense desire or, or simply greed and, uh, and then ill will then sloth, sloth torpor, restlessness remorse, the nivaranas skeptical doubt, pride and conceit and uh, just the whole what else is left uh, and jealousy I don't, I don't understand the term it's just it's, it's my personal <laughs> expression Okay, anything else? Yes, Janice? Oh, the last one. You know, purification by knowledge and vision. Of, no, and so of the way is number, number six. Purification by knowledge and vision of the way is number six. And you know, purification by knowledge and vision... Uh, is number seven. So without of the way. Because uh, you're not on the way on anymore. You've reached the, you know, uh, reached the goal. Yes? Why not? How, how do the inside knowledges relate to the four stages of Sangha? If they do arise? Uh, very much they relate. And so, you know, basically, 
we can describe the meditation practice as follows. You know, first, one has to go you know, through what is known as the forerunner path or preliminary practice, which means going through you know, you know, the you know, respective insight knowledges all the way from number one up to uh, which one? Uh, number 12, I guess, or number 13. No? And so then. Yeah, so up to 12. And, so, and so then, so all of this is seen as a preparation for you know, what suddenly comes next. Once all the groundwork or the foundational work has been done, and then, uh, and all the necessary conditions are there, you know, then path knowledge you know, takes place. So path knowledge connected you know, with uh, you know, the you know, first level of enlightenment. No? So then, um, then, uh, do you qualify for then it happens automatically that the practice just you know, when it goes on and uh, issues into uh, into path uh, you know, path knowledge. No, which uh, no, uh, no, so it's knowledge connected with uh, um, yeah no, 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 noble uh, uh, one one uh, level of nobility and no. and then uh, and then having having gained and gained you know, let's say the uh, level of stream entry. Yeah, then, uh, then fresh knowledge arises, and uh, yeah, then one needs to develop this uh, to to some extent, and so, you know, then you know, one gives up, as the venerable Mahasi Sayadaw points out. You know, one gives up you know, one's old dhamma, and then practices for you know, the new dhamma, and so, you know, then again the insight knowledges will come up. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, sure enough. Uh, oh, there's liberation through faith, and there's liberation through wisdom, and. No, 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 no. Um, what this refers to is as follows, namely, um, in each person, one controlling faculty will be predominant or outstanding. So let's say, you know, for you, you know, the faith faculty will be the you know, predominant quality. And... And then you'll be going through the insight knowledges, and so you'll have just to start with lots of faith in the practice, and in the Buddha, and the Dhamma, and in the Sangha. And then eventually, when 
you've covered all those insight knowledges and you've brought all of them to maturity and all the necessary conditions are there, you know, then, um, you know, then you will gain the Dhamma. And uh, so path knowledge you know, will take place. And in your case, you know, or in, in this case, it would be, you know, one could say, okay, uh, yeah, the faith faculty has suddenly led you, or what was it, liberation through faith, no? Yeah, yeah right, so that will be that. And then, yeah, and then, you know, there may be another a different meditator in whom, just by you know, natural you know, disposition, you know, concentration is the predominant controlling faculty. And so and this person you know, will do the practice and so overall will ha always have a hot and an easy time to concentrate. You know? And so you know, frequently you know, this you know, would be a person who you know, worked a lot with paints and eggs. So working with paints and eggs you know, very much sharpens one's concentration. And then again, having gone through all the inside knowledges, uh, um, and brought those certain to maturity, all the necessary conditions are there, and then path knowledge takes place, and with an emphasis on concentration. And such a person would be then a person liberated through concentration, and so on and so forth. When he, when he says that disembodied states are not necessary... What, 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 what kind of statement? Disembodied states, something like disembodied, or this Disembodied. Does he talk about the jhanas? Does he mean that the jhanas? Um, or maybe uh, in immaterial states. Maybe this is what you're referring to. Uh, who could? Could be, could be. Yeah, and that, and that uh, you know, then has to do with concentration. Oh, in no, no um, attainment of you know, the Dhamma you know, it can be gained in different ways. You know, there is uh, you know, the so-called uh, you know, samatha yanika, you know, namely you know, the you know, vehicle you know, using you know, samatha as a vehicle for liberation. And uh, you know, then there's vipassana yanika, you know, using vipassana meditation as a vehicle. No? And uh, Vipassana is very straightforward. Without any prior practice in Samatha, you just do your Vipassana practice from you know, the first day onwards until the end. And this can lead you all the way up to Arahantship. No? And so. Yes, indeed. They are not mandatory. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, you know, see, so uh, the mind is flexible, and the mind uh, can be trained in different, uh, different ways. 
And so I thought then as a further option or a further approach, we have uh, you know, the Samatha Yanika, using you know, Samatha meditation as a vehicle. And so, you know, the way this works is one first you know, develops you know, the jhanas to perfection, and then only with concentration well developed does one you know, then switch over to Vipassana practice and you know, then gain the practice or gain the Dhamma through Vipassana. So you know, Vipassana then is based on uh, you know, Samatha meditation. No? So that is a second approach. A third approach you know, that the Buddha himself has uh, you know, mentioned is uh, you know, that of combining the two. And uh, a good way of doing this is you know, that, uh, let's say, you know, first one does uh, one does you know, some Vipassana meditation, becomes skilled in this, and then one does you know, Samatha meditation, gets skilled in, 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 in Samatha, and then one combines the two. And so the way this works is you, know, you go into a particular jhana, let's say first jhana, and you, you know, stay in the first jhana for a while, and so, you know, then uh, and then you come out of the first jhana and then you start applying vipassana. And so, you know, with vipassana you observe you know, the different you know, mental states you know, that uh, are present at the time. No. And then so on and so forth. That is called yuganada uh, you know, in, in you know, the Pali scriptural language, or the practice of coupling. No. So different ways that are mentioned, and um, you can read up on this in the in the Visuddhimagga and Venerable Bhikkhu Bodhi in his new anthology. Uh, the Buddha's words are also, it's also mentioned there, both you know, practices, samatha, as well as vipassana, that lead you know, to you know, liberation. But samatha alone will not do it. You know? And we, we have to be very clear about this. You know, the, you know, the goal in, um, or the, uh, the main benefit of samatha practice is just the development of uh, you know, certain levels of concentration, and uh, you know, there's not much wisdom co you know, connected with this. And, uh, and uh, what Vipassana practice is uh, generating is uh, not only you know, concentration, but, uh, and even more important, wisdom. And it's uh, with wisdom you know, that we cut off uh, you know, the defilements. No. In some other practice, you can, you can experience this, you know, the jhanas, and uh, you know, you know, develop all of the jhanas, and your, main, your, your hindrances will just be suppressed, and once you stop some other practice, the hindrances will come back. Because you talk so often about the jhanas, you, you talked about first, second, fourth, and third jhanas. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's just a way, the Buddha himself trained in this, and uh, oh, it is a way of uh, uh, training the, you know, the mind, but it's not the only way. Okay, uh, no. maybe you know, this much for tonight.
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.